Welcome to the M3 Bear Essentials Podcast. My name is Malcolm Travers. Each Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, I host a YouTube live broadcast and invite the editors and contributors of Mail Media Mind to present a topic of their choosing. We discuss politics, social issues, especially those facing the black and LGBT communities, entertainment, mental health, sexuality, and relationships, or whatever makes the news or makes us mad. View the show recording live to ask questions or comment in the chat. Subscribe to M3 on YouTube to get a notification when we go live. You can find links to our YouTube page and other social media platforms at mailmediamind.com. Now, enjoy the show. Good afternoon and welcome to the M3 Hangout. At 1.20 a.m., I should probably get my glasses so I want to read something. <laughs> At 1.20 a.m. on Saturday, June 28, 1969, four plainclothes policemen in dark suits, two patrol officers in uniforms, and Detective Charles Smythe and Deputy Inspector Seymour Pine arrived at the Stonewall Inn's home, please, because I'm getting feedback. <laughs> and that's it's messing with me. That's never good. Sorry about that. Uh, Inspector Seymour Pine arrived at the Stonewall Inn's double doors and announced police were taking the place. Two undercover policewomen and two undercover policemen had entered the bar earlier that evening to gather visual evidence as the public moral squad waited outside for the signal. Once inside, they called for backup from the 6th precinct using the bar's pay telephone. Turned off, the main lights were turned on. Approximately 205 people were in the bar that night. Patrons who had never experienced a police raid were confused. A few who realized what was happening began to run for doors and windows in the bathrooms, but police barred the doors. The raid did not go as planned. Standard procedure was to line women to the bathroom to verify their sex upon which any men dressed as women would be arrested. Those dressed as women that night refused to go with the officers. Men in line began to refuse to produce their identification. Decided to take everyone present to the police station after separating those cross-dressing in a room in the back of the bar. Those who were not arrested were released from the front door, but they did not leave quickly as usual. Instead, they stopped outside and a crowd began to grow and watch. Within minutes, between 100 and 150 people had congregated outside. Some after they were released from inside the stone wall and some after noticing the police cars and the crowd. The police tried to restrain some of the crowd and knocked a few people down, which incited bystanders even more. Some of those handcuffed in the wagons escaped when police left them unattended tried to overturn the police wagon, two police cars, and the wagon with a few slashed tires left immediately, with inspectors urging them to return as soon as possible. The commotion attracted more people who learned what was happening. Someone in the crowd, my place, because that's what happened. Someone in the crowd declared that the bar had been raided because they didn't pay off the cops, to which someone else yelled, let's pay them off. 
coins sailed through the air towards the police as the crowd shouted pigs and faggot cops. Beer cans were thrown and the police lashed out, dispersing some of the crowd who found a construction site nearby with stacks of bricks. The police outnumbered by between 500 to 600 people. This was the beginning of the Stonewall riots. Christopher Street Liberation Day on June 28, 1970, marked the first anniversary of the Stonewall Riots with an assembly on Christopher Street, which simultaneously, which simultaneously gay pride marches in Los Angeles, Chicago. These were the first gay pride marches in U.S. history. I want to thank everyone for coming to the Hangout today. We're going to be talking a little bit about prides and flags and some other things that have affected our community. <clears throat> um, we have a few special guests today, but I'm going to introduce our regular panelists first. Uh, we have Ali. Yo. And Shaka. Hey. And Chris. What up, though? And Xavier. Missing in action. Good evening, he everyone. Muted. There he is. <laughs> and joining us special today is Lance. Hey, guys. Ali's partner, Ricky. Hello. All right. Ali wanted to start us off. He's had a very couple of interesting situations happen with the Pride uh, Festival. Um, so why don't you start us off, Ali? Well, um, last week it was Capital Pride, but besides being Capital Pride, it was also National Equality March. So this was all rolling to one big package was what's a big media event in the DC area. Um, it started with Friday being uh, a big gathering in DC, which was, there was no event there. But then on Saturday, there was the big Pride Parade, which involved a large contingency of different uh, groups in the national in DC area uh, that came from everywhere because they were also going to be participating in the National Equality March as a protest to the administration that is going on right now. Um, but in between all that, we also got protested by a couple of groups. Uh, one of them was uh, no, no, no. No, no justice, no pride. No justice, no pride. Yeah. And the other one was Black Lives Matter, uh, which put a big damper on on the situation, uh, just like it happened in, um, I think it was in, in Canada, that the same thing happened last year, where <clears throat> they had a big pride event, uh, but then it was stopped by, by a big protest. Um the thing is that the group that uh, No Pride, No Justice uh, was protesting um, a couple of things. They were protesting that now many of the Pride events are being uh, sponsored by many corporations. Some of the corporations 
are corporations that many in the gay community, or at least many, many of the millennials, find uh, that they should not be part of these institutions. Uh, one of them, which I agree with 100%, is uh, Western Union because of the practices that Western Union was doing about opening accounts without people knowing that they were uh, being open in their name, trying to uh, fill some quarters. Uh, but they're also protesting the fact that many organizations like Northrop Grumman, which is an organization that builds uh, weapon systems, McDonnell Douglas, uh, and many other um, intelligence organizations that are uh, here in the DC area that actually are part, have been part of the Pride Parade for a very long time, not just in the last five years, but at least 10 to 15 years. Um, the problem that I see with this, I, I can see their point, but when you start protesting your allies, just to try to make a point, in my opinion, is the wrong way to do it. So from a three-hour uh, parade, it turned into a seven-hour ordeal to the point that Ricky originally was not going to be able to make Pride Parade uh, because he was working, but because we were the people that had the trailer, uh, we used the trailer to be able to pull uh, the leather contingency. Um, and my truck was being used for, uh, for the pulling. Uh, he came to replace the driver to be able to drive the, the vehicle back to my place, uh, to our place, excuse me. Uh, and I, by the time that he got there, we had not moved an inch. And this was at, at 6.30, 7? Okay. Yeah. So it, it became a hell of an ordeal, and it made a lot of people very angry. Um, so right now, the D.C. gay contingency is actually fighting with itself. That, um, I know there's been a, a um, rash of disruption. I believe it was the Pride in Canada or L.A. I can't remember which <clears throat> one last year. Which was disrupted by the Black Lives Matter. You know, you're not talking about Toronto Pride, right? Because there was a Pride Toronto. in Toronto. Well, Toronto, yeah. Toronto Pride, yeah. yeah, the one that I mentioned in Canada. I just couldn't <laughs> think what city was. And that specifically, they protested because they had a float designated for the police department in Toronto, and because of a lot of the, you know, police brutality against people of color, you know, queer people of color. That that was the thing they were protesting. They felt that it was unsafe for LGBTQ people of color to be in a space with law enforcement that often targets you know people within our community. So that's what that protest was about in Toronto. Yeah. Which part of it, the, the protest in here in D.C. was actually targeted also to the police. That was mm -hmm. also another part. Um, but the problem is, especially here in D.C., even though I do understand the animosity between the black community and the police. Not all police are bad, bad people, first of all. Second of all, we need the police to be able to monitor here in, in this area mm -hmm. due to the fact that with everything that is going on in, 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 the, in this community, not just right here in D.C., but outside D.C., 
there's going to be a KKK rally in Virginia in about a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And they're, of course, they have the right to protest. But with people like that getting bolder every day, do you really w- not want to have the police monitor what's going on in, in, in the Pride events? Mm-hmm. Is this something that you really want to take a chance on? Well, in reference to Toronto, I don't, I'm not too sure about DC Pride, but in reference to Toronto, again, I think the, what they were really upset about was the fact that the police were being celebrated during this Pride event. I agree with you. I feel like the police are needed to a degree, but the police have to be held accountable. And a lot of times they're not. Exactly. You know, and that's that's typically the issue, you know. So in, in, in some sense, these protests are just to kind of bring attention to these issues, because a lot of times when we have people from these communities trying to, you know, have a conversation and when they're out, they're reaching out to be heard, they're typically ignored or silent. So a lot of times you have to kind of shake shit up so people will pay attention, you know? So, but I know it's a little bit more to it than that though too, but I know Derek, he was about to say something, so. No, 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 you, 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 you pretty much covered what I was going to say. Um, jump subjects, cause we're going to talk about that whole police and later on in the mm-hmm. episode. Um, so, all right. So we have a few minutes. Let's uh, issues with rides uh, in their city because I know we're a little spread out. Wait, say that one more time because I think you went I, out. You, you broke oh, I'm out. Sorry. I said, you broke up. I said, is anyone else having any other issues with prize in their city? Because I know that uh, we're a little spread out. Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you that here in Boston, because that's where I am, surrounded by uh, surrounded by Caucasians, there really hasn't been any other kinds of counter protests, which is actually very interesting. Seeing that you know, there's also very little representation of different groups up here. Uh, I can tell you that the prides have gone have been just happening and doing their thing. And we haven't really, the big issues that we have here is mostly um, with attendance. So nowadays you have, like you said, a lot of the millennials are upset with the corporatization of pride. And that's exactly what it's become. I don't go mostly because, you know, most people of color are not represented. So, you know, all the advertisements were not represented, and I'm just feeling like I don't need to go somewhere to be tolerated. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll go where I'm welcome. <laughs> tolerated. Am I really that, that old that don't remember absolute? Oh no, I remember. Shit, no, I, I said remember. the millennials. I know you do. Uh, yeah, I was about to say yeah. you can. The, I, I, I'm not aware of absolute. So. I mean, I thought. Okay, yeah, so Absolute, Absolute used to sponsor a number of Pride events and gay events. Um, it has only actually been in the last two, three, yeah. three, four years that they uh, kind of pulled back on everything. They used to have the uh, Absolute. They used to they used to sponsor Prides. Uh, they used to sponsor. It's, <laughs> They used to sponsor RuPaul's Drag Race, too. Oh, we're talking about absolute vodka. Vodka. Yeah, vodka. Dang. Oh, I'm sitting up here like, is this some... <laughs> it's a... Okay, 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 okay. I got you, got you, got you. Now I got you. <laughs> <laughs> here I am 
making us feel old and shit. No. <laughs> That often, many times on these hangouts, I'm drinking some absolute vodka. So, like, I should be aware of these things. But yeah, I, I thought it was like maybe some separate or- organization. I didn't know it was in reference to Absolute the Vodka Company. Oh, the shade is strong with it. Right? So, only in the last few years that apparently their budget has not allowed them to, you know, go out and do um, done before. But there is still some representation of them because I was at the uh, gay pride in New Orleans last weekend and some of the floats and things oftentimes reference being sponsored by Absolute Vodka. So they're still present, maybe not into the levels that they used to be, but they still have a significant, somewhat significant representation of themselves. What's the uh, New Orleans pride? Honestly, it was kind of a hit and miss. You could almost not even know what was going on if you just really weren't into that, like Mm -hmm. just for real, real. because um, Canal Street and Bourbon Street was, you know, it was doing what it normally does, I would say. (laughs) And the parade, it it, it happened through the street where it was going on. And then it was kind of like it was very, it just, it wasn't no massive production, let me say it like that. It wasn't what you would think of when you think New Orleans and the floats and when you tied that into what Mardi Gras looks like. You just didn't see that with this parade. As a matter of fact, I actually posted some of it on my Facebook page. But um, it, it really wasn't, you know, it wasn't what I expected. Okay. It was a lot more docile than I expected it to be. Okay. Derek, any, um, yes, oh, sir. Go ahead. Derek, I do have one thing that I wanted to say because uh, I alluded uh, to it and I didn't uh, go into it much. But one thing that a lot of millennials don't get, I guess, is that when Pride started, we didn't have the sponsorship uh, that we have now in a lot of the programs that we try to help uh, didn't have the funding uh like, for example, Brother Help Thyself, Meals on Wheels, uh, Children's Safe Foundations, many other like that, didn't have the funding that they had uh, until many of the sponsors came in to be. Once the sponsors started sponsoring different events that involve games, uh, we started being able to fund many of these different uh, organizations. And it made us successful in that aspect. But many of the millennials don't understand that because they didn't go through the AIDS uh, crisis. So they didn't get to see a lot of the peddling that we have to do just to keep people fed. But I would say even that even, 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 even so in that maybe concept. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. So maybe it's maybe we should have a conversation about what sponsorship means and how sponsorship has helped our community and any community that you look at. And it's not just completely, you know, delving everything into the financial aspects of it, but sponsorship also means protection in a lot of senses. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at what happened here in Georgia, the one of the reasons why they did not sign the freedom of religion bill uh, that came down was because they were in fear of losing a lot of very high level figures out of this area. They were going to lose a lot of business. And Nathan Deal looked at the fact that we either going to accept the fact that the gays are here and that they 
um, they hold a very large coin and lose, and so therefore get this business from Californian places that are now coming in to do movies. So we're gonna stick with these moralic concepts and then lose a lot of this business, lose a lot of that gay vote, gay money. And he chose to take, um, he chose the, the previous. So mm-hmm. uh, sponsorship means more than just money. It also means sometimes protection of your individual rights. Bingo. Thank you. Right. Yeah, what's funny is that I kind of, you know, as, as, some, as, the, as some of us older gays, I guess, um, I kind of also feel that we failed the young gays by not, by becoming complacent ourselves. You know what I mean? Like I was a wholly, time, I wholly agree with that, Lance. I wholly agree with that. Right. Like there was a point in time where when when you came out, there was someone there to show you the ropes because we only had each other. We didn't have these, you know, what we might even call straight allies today. We didn't have those. You know, so we kind of had to always take care of each other and educate each other. So things like knowing when you see the millennials that say it's too corporate. It's like, well, you have to, we, we never educated them as to why. Mm-hmm. To the fact that, you know, we were using these sponsors to be able to do things like feed AIDS patients who were not, had no insurance, had no money, lost their jobs. Like, I mean, didn't lose their jobs because they were lo- missing work, but were losing their jobs because they had HIV and started showing the symptoms. And, and so, or got fired. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, you know, they, uh, you know what, what was the movie with Tom Hanks where he played the guy with AIDS? What was that one? Philadelphia. 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 Right. So when you look at a movie like Philadelphia, where it wasn't until he started showing the signs of HIV that his employer then started to discriminate against him, that's what we were dealing with as we were coming up. You know, we, we didn't have straight allies to sit about sit next to because it's what it takes is the majority to take action really they weren't doing it but we had the sponsorship to do it we were courting we were out there basically selling our asses to corporate sponsors just mm-hmm. to people to make sure that you know we live but I so I did it but at the same time well go ahead go ahead yeah okay. I um no, um, yeah, that the 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 whole I, you Lance, the goal has still remained a struggle, but the origins of the struggle I think have been lost on this newer generation, so they are unaware of you know where we were, and what we see now is things starting to regress back to where we were, um has to be taken up again. I don't think you should ever have to fight the same fight twice. Uh, but a lot of it does go to education and mentorship, which is what you were speaking of. I, you know, the internet is, as I always say, the internet is a double-edged tool because yeah. you had to, when I came up, I got adopted by people. I a, took me by the hand and led the way. And you don't necessarily <laughs> have all that human interaction now that you to have back yeah. like that. Ali, you go ahead. Well, <clears throat> one of the things that I was trying to explain to someone, because someone um, got into uh, a discussion with me about sponsorship, and they're like, we shouldn't be taking money from anybody uh, because we can't go ahead and fund it ourselves. It's like, you tell me which gay guy is going to come up with thousands of dollars 
and fund a program to try to help somebody else. You tell me, because if I see that person, I will go in and lobby him right now. The problem is we need these corporations. These corporations actually have helped us to become more uh, mainstream, shall we say, because they have programs that actually allow gay people to work for them. First of all, they show up on these parades. For example, this year we had UPS in a brown truck oh, oh. with yeah. flames on it. That was awesome. So what can Brown do for you? You know, guess what? I support a, a, a corporation that does that. Uh, we had UPS, we had Verizon, we have many of these companies that actually hire games and right. in in, in they protect them. They have protections for them. Without these corporations, we could not do anything. What do you want me to do? Go to Chick-fil-A and try to get money from them? Guess what? I would go to Chick-fil-A and get money from them and donate it directly to one of the organizations they don't want me to donate to. It, and you know, do it in their name. I think that's the thing, though, right? Okay, so I don't think there's anything wrong with having sponsors or corporate organizations supporting the community any type of way. I think the big issue is that a lot of times, a lot of this money, because like, let's talk about like, like the human rights campaign, for instance, you know, it's probably one of the largest, if not the largest uh, organization that supports the LGBTQ plus community, at least here in the States. Mm -hmm. Still though, on their board, they're pretty much represented only by white gay men. You know, no people of color, yeah. no trans folks. And the thing of it is that this money is coming in. Yeah, the community is getting money, but where is that money going to? Mm -hmm. Is it going to inner city communities? Is it going to, you know, you know, black LGBT homeless youth or homeless youth of color within the LGBT community? Like, where's the money going to? Is it protecting, you know, trans folks? Like, that's the thing. Like, it, it's great to get the corporate, you know, support and the sponsorships and bringing in these millions of dollars, but we have to make sure it's also going to the people who are often silenced and erased within the community. Right. And going back to accountability, you know, and again, a lot of the people who have the power, you know, like when you, when you talk about the LGBT community, you have people like us and you have like the mainstream representation of that, you know, which are typically white gay men. If they run shit, you know, they dictate how we navigate as a community. You know, they're not hearing our issues. They don't care about our issues. Like right. when they were trying to pass same-sex marriage, we all got behind that issue. But that issue was pretty much led by white gay men specifically. But when we start talking about trans rights, when we start talking about, you know, the right, the re, the, the fact that HIV and AIDS, AIDS rates within communities of color, you know, well, at least with, you know, black, um, bi and gay and same gender loving men, those HIV rates are like still skyrocketing. Like they're not really tackling <laughs> those issues, you know? They look at us as just as statistics and numbers, and they call for us. They call for people of color in the community where they need us to support issues that affect white, you know, gay folks. But when it comes to our issues, we're typically not heard because we're typically not allowed in spaces where we can make, you know, substantial change within the community. Okay. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw a monkey wrench that, on that, mm. and I hate to do this because part of it is our own fault. We don't step up. We but, need but, to step up. We need to be the ones trying to get to those to those positions. Also, if, if we can't, if we if we can't, we need to start creating those opportunities for ourselves. Because there's a lot of people because of their religious background, they're afraid to step up. 
so when we talk about like this no justice no pride or we talk about black lives matter or we talk about a lot of these organizations or a lot of these groups that are out here protesting some people may think like that's not the right way or that's not going to really change anything but i think that's a part of us stepping up because like we were just talking about the hiv aids right we were just earlier talking about stonewall riots all of these were considered protests that were i guess insignificant to some people in mainstream spaces but in, in marginalized communities, this was like the only two they really had available to get out there to march and to protest, to be heard. So I feel like they're there. I mean, I don't, again, there is this kind of thing where, you know, I guess the generation coming up, you know, they're not doing what they need to do. They're becoming more and more complacent or whatever. But there are, um, I think there, 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 there are sectors of, the young LGBT community who are stepping up. Like, I feel like there's no justice, no pride. It may seem like inconvenience, but in all actuality, it brought attention to a, a serious issue, you know, that people didn't really want to talk about. So the thing of it is, that's a form, in my opinion, at least, to stepping up. You know, I feel like these protests, even though they may be annoying and it may be creating some type of divide, it's bringing attention. It's bringing a voice to people who are often silenced within this community. So I think that is a form of stepping up. Like, I feel like we shouldn't dismiss that just because, you know, it's, it's causing some type of a ruckus, you know? Like, I feel like that these protests is basically how we got to where we are right now in a lot of ways. The reason why we have the rights that we have right now as a community, as people of color, as LGBT folks, because people got on the streets and they said, fuck this shit, we're going to shake some shit up to be heard, you know? And sometimes that's needed. I agree. I, uh... I thank you for that, Chris. That is a great segue into our next topic um, because these things are often, they're, they're often, you know, cross-connected. Okay, originally devised by San Francisco artist Gilbert Baker, the design for the gay pride flag has undergone several revisions since its debut in 1978. First to remove colors, then restore them based on availability of fabrics. The most common variant consists of six stripes, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and violet. The flag is typically flown horizontally with the red stripe on top as it would be in a natural rainbow. Last week, the city of Philadelphia unveiled a redesigned pride flag that revealed the addition of black and brown stripes to the rainbow in recognition of LGBTQ people of color. It's part of the city's More Color, More Pride campaign, which strives to create an even more inclusive community. It also coincides with Philly's effort this year to celebrate the stories of those who have been typically left out of the LGBTQ experience, including people of color and people of the transgender, gender non-conforming experience. Amber Hikes, director of the Office of LGBT Affairs, further explained, we're proud to host the celebration for the community to come together, not just for pride, but also to reinforce our strides toward combating discrimination within our community, honor the lives of our black and brown LGBTQ siblings, and uplift our shared commitment to diversity and inclusion within our community. So this, this has been a firestorm across the um, this has been a firestorm across the internet. Um, yeah. <laughs> I thought on uh, Philly's new 
stupid. And again, this is just for Philadelphia. But, you know, everybody, many people have taken it to the old gods are going to change the flag. So let's start with uh, Xavier and move down. I can't say that that really bothers me. I don't think a flag, a flag has to mean something. A flag has to have something behind it, you know. Um, we've changed the American flag plenty enough times from 13 stars to colonies. And it, it changes, the changes that are made to a flag are to represent where that flag is in our era of time and history. So I think the changes can be necessary. Now we just have to put something behind it so that we have more than just a bunch of cloth stitched together with a bunch of colors. Other than that, I don't problem with it. I think it was right. I, I think it was a nice gesture that they, you know, did it. Sometimes I question why things are, you know, delayed. You know, this is something that should have happened back in the sixties, if you really think about it, you know. Um, but I don't know. I just, you know, I, I think it's a step at every any step is a step in the right direction, you know, and we may not necessarily come together and agree on certain or I don't like the word agree. We may not necessarily come together and understand maybe the purpose, but you know, I guess it depends on how you as an individual flip it and make it positive, make it impactful. But I think it was a good suggestion and uh, a good, a good, you know, addition. All right. Uh, Ricky. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> my personal opinion on this flag is a major game. That's why I brought, That's how I was brought up. Um, it, the fact that we're adding black and brown to the top or bottom, I haven't even seen the picture of it. I, I mean, just first of all, there is no black and there's no brown in a rainbow. Second of all, for me, the the rainbow itself is supposed to mean say, "Hey, I'm queer," and that's all it's supposed to mean. I don't see where race is in it. It just says I am gay and that's it. And throwing some colors into it doesn't mean, for me, doesn't mean anything because it, until you solve what the original problem is, why people think you need to have it, throwing colors at something is not going to solve anything. It, I, I don't know. It's just, it, I grew up, you know, I came out in, uh, I came out in 98 and I was always taught, you know, rainbow flags means you're gay. And it's always been that way. And now we just need to add more things. I mean, I think they're making a bigger issue than it really needs to be. Okay. I think that's a really interesting observation. Um, I, I, if it mattered, then, you know, the, the conversation wouldn't have even taken place, in my opinion. Um, but, I, you know, I'm a person that really looks at how people process information subconsciously subliminally and images have a lot to do with it and as a person of color i mean we're 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 still having conversations about being included you know we're still having conversations about inclusion we're still having conversations about um why there are so many different segments within the lgbt community uh, a community that is based or at least conceptualized based on sex but we're still having conversations about race which is you know, you kind of have to look at that as a really interesting dynamic, or at least that I do. So just in terms of uh, the rainbow and, the, you know, the different colors, and I mean, the I can't even really process what a rainbow actually really is, because we can only digest so much in terms of how we perceive color. So, you know, whether it's brown and blue or whatever, 
or, or you know whatever that is is probably going to mean something else for the next generation of LGBT people 50 years from now. Yeah, I just think that what we have to do is just wherever we are in time is just to you know make it inclusive. Make, you know, make it inclusive. If 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 it's impactful for you, it's impactful for you. Yeah, but the, for me, the rainbow flag, it's just um, like, it's like there's a bear flag, right? There's a bear flag. It has the same colors as that black and blue and so forth. So you have the bear community has their flag. The leather community has their flag. The bi people have their flag. I mean, it, it's, I mean, but the original flag is the rainbow flag. And I, it, for me, my per, my perception is the rainbow flag's on top and every other flag goes below that. Can I yeah. jump in here? Yes, please. Right. Go ahead. So here's the deal. I guess let me first start off by saying, personally, I don't give a shit about the flag. Personally. <laughs> like, 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 this is just, like, just personally. I don't care about the flag, and I don't care about the flag because it never really was something. I mean, I got the message, right? The message was we're gay, we're, you know, this is us together. But at the same time, right? That flag has been altered on many occasions. For example, you can find a version of the rainbow flag that has the Israeli star in the center. That is for Israeli gay people to represent themselves using that flag. Let's take a look at what happened with this rainbow flag. Personally, I think the two stripes, it just felt whatever, but that's irrelevant. But when we look at this flag, this flag is not replacing the rainbow flag. That flag was one city that was saying, this is our representation to include and represent people of color. That is not replacing the flag. It is instead an alteration of the flag that is no different than if we see rainbow flag with anything else attached to it. We've seen it with the stars from the American flag. We've seen it with the sickle and star from the is from Islamists who are gay. We've seen these things change before. But I tell you something, it's not the flag that bothers me. Mm-hmm. Because I don't care about the flag. It's the reaction to the flag that bothers me. When when we when we have all of these different separations, for example, the bears have their thing. The leather people have their thing. There are bears. There's twinks. There's muscle boys. There's all kinds of things that represent individualized people that feel marginalized in some way from the entirety of the gay community. Why is it now a problem that the black people said, well, we would like to have our representation? And people say, well, it doesn't have anything to do with race. Here's the thing. In America... It does. <laughs> Everything has to do with race in America. It just simply does. Capitalism <laughs> has to do with race in America. And when it comes right down to it, we are not made to feel welcome because you'll say, well, I don't feel welcome here. And then you'll have the white gays say, well, no one said that. You don't have to say it when your actions say mm-hmm. it all. When I look at the advertisements for a bear event and it is nothing but white bears, when I see the same thing, the only time I ever get to see black people is for an AIDS advertisement or a domestic abuse advertisement. We're not represented anywhere. Let's look at the things that we do. Like, let's look at some of the gay websites we go to where we are not represented. And then when we go there, we're not really welcome. 
we're either a fetish or ignore. My problem was the reaction. And the reaction was the proof that we need the representation. Because white folks lost their damn mind. <laughs> we're fine with everything else. Mm-hmm. That's it. Hey, I'm so, going to come to you in one second. Okay. Because I saw your hand up. Um, but I just, I did, I just want to say this though. I'm going to say this. I don't have, I, I don't think people, or any black, gay black people of color got together and said, you know what would really make us feel better if you put these two stripes on the flag? I don't think that actually happened. I think that was. I think that was the reaction of this woman who decided this is what needed to happen. But at the end of the day, the flag is irrelevant. <clears throat> and you are, and, and, and Lance, you are absolutely right. There was a, a lot of uproar. And I got into a few different conversations. I got into a few different conversations about what it means to actually make people feel included versus, you know, what you think it means. Um, this, this is my biggest problem with this whole scenario. Where's the conversation? Those Repeat that one more time. You, on the flag and that, yeah. you put those stripes on the flag, but conversation. These conversations need to be had damn putting some more stripes on the damn flag you need to have these conversations about including people of color you know or or just being honest and not including people of color i'm okay with that too let me know where the fuck you coming from just be honest about it I think, you know, going in line with what you, you know, just some people, when you look at community, they don't understand community because there are some people who think that their community should only be their community. Those are the people that are upset. Those are the people that are just outraged all of a sudden. And then you have people that look at things all exclusively. So when, I don't know, where, where do we get LGBT community? Do we, do we, break it up even further? Do we break it up even if America's about race, why don't we just do our own thing? You know what I'm saying? Because every time that seems to be a, every, I think inclusion is very healthy. I think things that are not inclusion obviously are not. So what do we, how do we, how do we process through that? Yeah, and we got a couple of um, comments. I don't know if you want me to. Yes. Um, the, the big one from Nate James is when I live, when I lived in Philly, I would go to businesses in the neighborhood that would display the rainbow flag. I got the worst treatment slash customer services in these businesses that displayed this flag. Um, and just to kind of bounce off of that real quick, uh, I, I really, I want to just, to be totally honest, just copy and paste everything that Link said, because I think he really, like, truly hit it on the nose in so many ways. But I, I kind of agree with Derek, Link's, um, Shaka. Like, my biggest concern, you know, the flag, I'm not trying to dismiss the symbolism of the flag and, you know, its importance on its own merits, but my big biggest concern is really creating change within our community <laughs> where LGBTQ plus people of color um, and just other 
sectors of our community are often ignored are like properly represented and protected, you know? Those are my big concerns. Like I want to see actual like change. Action. Yeah, action, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And that's a big concern that I have outside of the symbolism or the flag itself, you know? Um, and, and the thing of it is, is that why, <laughs> why, why I do feel it's important for us to be kind of included in some of these mainstream spaces because often at times, in the, the the mainstream, I guess you could say, spectrum of the LGBT community, the people who are in those spaces are the ones who are, that have pretty much the majority of the power to make changes in terms of like the laws, you know, that protect us and things like that. So my whole thing is that like, as much as I wanna say like, hey, fuck all of that shit over there, these people, you know, still have some form of a control of how we navigate as a community. So I feel like it's still important for us to have a voice in those spaces, you know, so we can actually be included when we when we see these laws and different things happen, mm -hmm. you know, that we can be properly represented. So, yeah. So, Chris, here's the thing. Um, in order for us to be, how do you how do you become included in a space? When you're not welcome. How? You fuck shit up. <laughs> I, I truly believe it. I know about that. You do what you have to do. You know what I'm saying? Fucking shit up. There's yes. a lot of different ways. There's a lot of different ways to fuck shit up. And our next subject after this, we'll talk about exactly how I'm fucking shit up. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Like, there you go. Put that hand up. Poor Ali's hand has been like. Go ahead. I I called on Ali like ten minutes ago. So go ahead, Ali. All right. The, the thing is, symbols are great. They're wonderful to have, but there mean nothing if there's no action behind it to start with. Uh, the problem with this whole conversation is that people are missing the point about what really comes down to it. There's a need for people to be included into this conversation. We need to change the way that we think. The human heart needs to change for us to be able to actually come together and understand each other. The problem is people are not understanding. They're freaking out over the color of the rainbow. The, rain the rainbow flag is supposed to mean inclusion of everybody. The reason why they didn't put race in there was not to create the, the, the view of, of race. They... The colors mean different things to different people, but the creator put a certain meaning behind each one of those colors, which are things that represent all gays of any color um, in every, every community. The problem is that at this point, even in 2017, people of color are not being represented in many places. The reason why is because people overlook the fact that many of us are being oppressed by the system itself. The only way to change it is by opening up about it, talking about it, and trying to change conversations. You cannot continue to be the dead horse because the horse is already dead. You need to change the way that we we talk about this conversation and try to include everybody in it. And education is the only way we can do it. By being angry, it, angry is good. Don't get me wrong, angry is great. 
Yeah, but angry gets only, shit done. Angry gets shit done, but it only gets you so far. You need to start having the conversation. And for those those of you that have white friends that don't understand this, you need to explain to them what have you gone through to feel this way? Because many Ali, of them that's don't understand. Ali, that's Ali, that's so, and, and that is, and, 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 and let me say, Ali, I agree with you. Here's where the breakdown happens. And it goes back to white privilege. I'm trying to explain, and I had this, I've had this argument before. If I try to explain that I don't feel comfortable as a six foot five, 300 pound black man <laughs> walking the streets at night, not by people that might hurt me, but by the police that might hurt me telling me that, well, I left the house with that attitude, so that's all I see. Then you're not listening to me. Exactly. That you have decided that my life story is actually not my life story. Or there cannot be a conversation, because the conversation then becomes about, this is my reality, stop trying to tell me it's not. And it's not about you listening to me. It's about, you know, you, you white explaining to me how life actually works. Right. Happens all too often when you're trying to have those conversations. Right. A lot of people feel like you're attacking them when you're really just trying to tell them what your experience is. And they feel like, well, I'm not racist. It's like, that's good for you. Right. (laughs) And that's the conversation. No, and, and actually, I told somebody that the other day. I said, step one, when having this conversation, when you have the conversation, don't assume the other person is calling you a racist. That's your shit. Call exactly. you a racist. When I call you a racist, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm going to say, motherfucker, you. you racist. And it's like, I'm going to tag you in the post. Yo ass is racist. And then right. that's the other thing that it like my block button has be my block food is strong now. <laughs> this was my thing. Like people will come out and you'll get these guys that are like, well, I don't understand, I don't understand. And then once you tell them what the deal is, and then you say, look, I can't blame any black person who steps away because why would they? It's like an abusive relationship. If that girl goes back, we tell her she was stupid. So. Mm-hmm. I can't believe, and then, and then once you say that, all of a sudden, their true colors come out. Now you all kinds of niggas, and you all kinds of young yes. not be around us. And it's not, even, it's not even a long trip. Not even a long trip. We're talking within a sentence. <laughs> I am like, wait, I recognize the back of your head. How the hell are you <laughs> here and act like all of a sudden I'm all kinds of niggas and everything else because... I'm telling you what my experience is. It's like, don't tell me it's not happening. It's I'm the one it's happening to. <laughs> you don't. Know I think it's, a lot, it's, a, it's really easy for people who have not lived your life to tell you what your life should be. Part of the whole problem. There's a real lack of empathy, and this is what we have. And this is what we have to deal with, with uh, conservatives a lot is that a conservative will rail against you until what you're going through hurts them. Yes. So let's, let's look at what's the that, drug what's that woman? What's that, what's that woman who, um, the, 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 the uh, Hispanic woman who voted for Trump? Right. 
And now her husband is being deported. <laughs> I was one of the good ones. You weren't supposed to do this to me. <laughs> exactly. I voted for you. Exactly. Or if we look at the war on drugs, right? That was really all a matter of them uh, flooding the black community with drugs uh, and, then, and then jailing you for it. But now that their kids are heroin addicts, now we have to treat it like it's a public health issue. Now it's, right. you know, now they need treatment, not jail. And this was, is what it is. I was about to say something about um, a few yeah. Republicans getting shot last week and yeah. how they just went into like, oh my God, the guns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have to stop the violence. They didn't expect for a liberal to have a damn gun and take them up on what right. they said. There you go. The and, and by the way, does, has anybody listened to Ted Nugent lately? No. For real. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Bitch, you know, I was like, he, 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 he was like, like Looking you know, ass I, and go somewhere. I think we need to take the rhetoric back after he was like, I want to shut up, you know, sh- shoot Obama. Yeah. You know, we need to take the rhetoric <laughs> back. It's like, Ooh. but we're, we're getting away from the subject again. Yeah. But it's relevant because what's relevant about it is that people who should know better, gay people, should know better because they've been through it. And because they know what it means to be discriminated against, why would they turn around and do the same thing to other I'll people? Just, because they because you like to, I'll, I'll say, just because you because like to, they think doesn't mean <laughs> that that's somehow a racist yeah. or racism or your biggest. You know, I've always said that the white gay, I've always said the, I've always said the white gay community comes from a place of, but I'm white. What do you mean I can't do? Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's not about you know quality for everybody. It's about equality for them. All right. So I gotta read this because we're fucking shit up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we about to fuck shit up, bro. <laughs> Nor attempts to recreate the environment of Harlem's black-owned nightclubs from the 1920s that is conducive for dating. But what exactly does that mean? A brief history lesson. Harlem's clubs of the 1920s were safe places for all kinds of people that catered to the black community. Everyone was welcome. First places where gay people were accepted and welcomed. These were clubs where people of color got to enter through the front door. These were places where the service was catered to black people. They were also the only places where you could find black, white, and other all in one place, simply enjoying life. That exists in the gay community of today has become a problem, and to combat it, nor now exists. Nor caters to people of color, but all are welcome. Bigotry will not be tolerated in nor. Nor is the place for people of color, ranging from black to Latino to Asian to Indian and lovers of diversity. Coming to nor requires an open mind and open heart. Ladies and gentlemen, I am presenting to you Lance, the <laughs> creator of nor. Take it away, Lance. Hey. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, so noir, uh, it's a, it, it came out of a very specific thing. Now, here's the funny part. I'm married, all right? So I'm not worried about all this. But, <laughs> <laughs> but let's think of but some... But you're giving things. back. 
Noir itself is an act of love for me to gay people of color. Um, I, you know, we, I've heard it, I've seen it, I've worked in technology all my life. And one of the things that is a common theme is, well, where's the black programmer to make this? Where's the black whatever to do that? And uh, quite frankly, I am the gay black man programmer that is here to do that. Um, now, wait a minute, like <clears throat> you are gay and black and a programmer? And creative. Is that possible? Is that possible? You know what? I'm a goddamn unicorn. I will show you my horn, but you know, you too. Go ahead. Go right ahead. No, that's for M3. That's for M3 after dark. (laughs) But, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, I may may not be single, but, you know, I got a lot of friends are, and I've worked uh, in, in the spaces for a lot of these um, dating apps and mobile social media apps for gay people. And what I can see is that the Bears have an app, the Twinks have an app, everybody has, hell, the Christians have an app. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, praise Jesus. Right. Hallelujah. Everyone has an app for people of color. And what we end up having to do is we end up in these spaces that are predominantly white mm-hmm. but take no consideration for the discrimination that does happen. Mm-hmm. People now, now I remember when it first started with people saying no blacks and that was it. Not even qualifying it, just no blacks. Now they're, because they've been called on their shit, they say no blacks, it's just a preference. Now I get it. You can have preferences. I prefer a cheeseburger, but that does not mean I will forego a pizza. <laughs> That's very good. I like that. I'm going to use that. I'm still <laughs> exactly, but we see this language that's being used to make us feel uncomfortable. Let's look at the apps themselves. When we do, when they do feature graphical content, it's always a white couple looking happy. When they want to try to be diverse, we get the white Latino with the white guy. And it's like, no, that's still two white people. What are you doing? (laughs) Uh, But right down to something small as the default user icons. It's a white dude with that little poofy pompadour thing. Mm -hmm. You look at it and you can tell that that's white. It was not meant for us. Mm -hmm. Well, the whole point of noir is that it is just like those clubs from the 20s. I'm catering to black people. The images are positive images of black people. When you go to the website to download the app, the the pictures that you see are black couples that look like they're happy. It's not an AIDS commercial. It's not a domestic violence commercial. It is showing us in the positive light. Your default icon is a black dude with a fro. I am not playing. The colors are colors that I took from African clothing, so the orange, the yellow, the green. Use the, I use that along with the idea of film noir, that shades of gray. So you got the two extremes of black and white and everybody in between. The colors are colors that represent us, but all are welcome. And I mean, and it's for everybody of color, black, Asian, Latino, Arab, it doesn't matter. What, what I want people to understand is that it's our place, mm-hmm. and we make the Lance, 
I need you to know that you are not alone in the universe as a unicorn. We got a we got a comment. There's another one. There's another black gay programmer. I am not alone. <laughs> I'm glad we're I'm glad to reference it because we are out here. We're gonna, we gonna introduce the two of y'all later. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I mean, but that's my whole thing is that I'm trying to I'm creating the space that we do want to see. We want to see the space where everyone's included. And noir, everybody's included. You can bring your white ass to noir. That's great. Understand something though. If you decide that people of color are not for you, noir is not the place for you. Go back to scruff. Go back to grinder. You have your place where there's a whole lot of white people that mm-hmm. don't want to deal with black people, mm-hmm. that don't want to deal with Latinos. There's a spot for you already. Well, now we have a spot. We make the rules. I don't have any corporate backing, so there's no white dude above me telling me what to do for us. It's a place where everybody's welcome. Discriminatory language will not be tolerated. Thank you. There is no, it's like there's a report button and I want everyone to use it. When you see that profile that says no Asians, report that shit. When you see no blacks from a white dude on a black app, what is he even doing there? Report it because it's not tolerated. <clears throat> and that's what noir is. It's the black Harlem clubs for us where everybody's welcome, but I am catering to people of color. I'm giving us the positive images that we want to see. I'm being the change that we're telling these white people they need to do. There's no need, and I say this all the time, we have to stop begging for acceptance, but part of be- part of stopping the begging for acceptance is making our own shit. I don't need you to accept me because I got my own. Mm-hmm. And if, you, if you're if you woke and you're down, you want to be with us, come, enjoy. We are welcoming everybody. But do understand that hopefully it'll weed people out who don't want people of color. Mm-hmm. So this way, what we hear the argument all the time, oh, so because I won't do a black guy, I'm racist? No, that's fine. I don't care if you're racist or not. But guess what we don't need to do? We don't need to be around you. Yeah. And, and you don't right. need to denigrate someone because you don't want to be with them. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing which I have never understood. If you, if, if your preference, quote unquote, is that you don't want to be with someone that is different than you are, why do you have to throw them under the bus? Right. Why? Right. Doesn't make sense whatsoever. Right. Why do you have to say it? A simple, not interested on the message will do. Yeah. You know? But it's the simple fact that they put it out there for display. It's in your face saying, no blacks. No Asians. Right. And let's look at what happens at a lot of the gay clubs. We're now seeing things like black people are not being admitted into the club. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, you know what? If they don't want us, we need to now get the funding to make our own. And what I am hoping to do with this app is to take that step. I want to sponsor gay pride events. I want to sponsor black gay pride events because we don't have black business people to do it. But I'm going to say this before we end it. Noir depends on the support of the community. Of the community. It depends. It's just like every other app. It, <clears throat> it ad supported. Uh, you can get a membership to get more features or you could buy the ad free version. But without the community support, because I don't have corporate backing, I'm paying for the servers. I'm paying for the bandwidth. This is me giving love back to people, but we need the community. 
Okay. I got a question for you. Uh, yeah. um, hold on, Ali. Okay. Need, there's a very important part of this, Lance, that you need to put out there before everybody runs to go buy your app and support it. And what is that? Ah, uh, yes, I know. This is iPhone only currently. That's currently the question I was going to ask. Currently is the keyword. Um, and it's the keyword because I'm a solo, solo guy. And I'm doing this without working full time. And I have to be able to justify the time. Noir has to be successful first. Once, once people start to support this app and the app is able to pay for itself, I'm then able to put the time in to make the Android version. Because I mean, I'm an iPhone programmer. You know, if I worked for, you know, if I had a bunch of people around me who were programmers and one person knew how to do Android or something else, that would work. But I'm an iPhone programmer, so I can I, I do with what I know. Doesn't mean I'm not going to learn it. And an Android version, if the community can support this, an Android version will be out. But the community that at least the iPhone holding part of our community has to support it. Uh, and that's the one thing. That's the only thing holding more back. The application is not perfect because it's just me. I don't have a QA team. I don't have a team of programmers. It's not perfect. But the only way I can make it better is with support. Mm -hmm. okay. First of all, there's another programmer out there that just contacted us. Maybe he can get together with you. <laughs> uh, we can start with that. And uh, the other thing would be that we need an uh, entrepreneur that would like to maybe get together with you <laughs> and go from there. Right, because like I said, I have no investors. But a whole lot of people, you just kind of horn them out right now. <laughs> <laughs> Who, me? Trying to be a pimp? I would definitely like You know what's funny? I, when I was coming up with this and I was programming this, now, I mean, the impressive thing about programming this is that I programmed it in less than a month. And then it had a month of testing. So, you know, it is where it is. I am pretty quick at what I do. But um, as I was working on this, someone said, you're going to be responsible for a lot of people getting laid. And I kind of was like, you know what? Why does that seem to fit? <laughs> of, course be, of course I'd be the black gay Aphrodite out here, but that's all hey, right. Nothing wrong with that. I, I've been responsible for many uh, many of those instances, though. But Bless it. Bless it. <laughs> but I want to say real quick. So, um, you know, just hearing you discuss, you know, your app discussing Nor, and just kind of thinking back on the past couple of weeks um, during our M3 Hangouts, um, we've we've kind of opened up a dialogue about providing um, safe spaces um, for marginalized communities. So, you know, we had um, a couple of weeks ago, we brought on a few Onyx brothers, and they kind of discussed Onyx and the importance of having a, a space for people of color within the leather BDSM community. And then even prior to that, we had a conversation about um, a friend, a close friend of me, Derek, and so many other people within the Black Bear community who passed, about how he provided a safe space for so many people in the community. And I think you're doing something yeah. very similar. Um, the thing of it is that we know within this community that, that is typically framed in being inclusive, it's not truly inclusive in, in, in many cases. And having a space where 
we could be loved and we could be welcomed and we could be accepted and we could be ourselves is so important because you know so many people who don't have that you know so i, I just wanted to thank you for providing <clears throat> that you know with this app you know and just you know kind of uh uh i guess stepping in as a you know fellow i guess you say entrepreneur or creative you know, I have a website called the LGBT Update, so I would love to do some type of promotion on there for the app. And I do videography work, so if you needed like some type of promo or something, Ooh, a video, a video, <laughs> whatever, we can talk on that. So you know, like you know, we got to we got to keep it moving. You know, we got to make it happen. So and because I'm and because I'm pretty, if you need a model, <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I will say that Noir has been out for less than a week. It's been out for less than a week, and through just grassroots people finding it. It's already had 49 downloads just from people finding it without my having to say anything. Mm -hmm. That says something. Well, just from the comment section, you're going to have a few more before the end of the day. Well, I hope so, because it is a community, and community building is not going to do much if we don't have people on it. So the more people join, the better it gets. The more people talk about it, tell their friends about it, the better things will get, the more updates I can do, the more features I can add. And my whole thing is that, I mean, believe it or not, I I had posted this to one of the bear groups and I swear to you within less than 60 seconds, I already had someone telling me that I was a racist and that why are we separating ourselves and that, well, good, I changed my mind. All of you, you know, N-words need to go and be with each other anyway and leave us alone. Wow. And that, Aww. exactly, and that is what Mar is here to combat. It's here for the people who don't want to deal with that. And that's everything. Right. I'm going to say this. I have personally gotten a little bit of my life, because I've been, I, since, since Lance first talked about this, I have tried to be a source of moral support because uh, I can't program a damn thing other than the VCR. But VCR, and I'm going up with the beta because because um, product. What's the right? VCR? But anyway, Did you say VCR? Yes, I know what I said. I program VCRs. Um, What's the beta? But I have been getting my personal life on from just reading something because he's been putting these folks out on blast. Yes. Oh, yeah, and I have been getting some of it, my it, personal it. life watching some of these racist remarks. Um, you know, I'm here for it. It's my bread and butter. I love it. Cause if he lets me, I respond to a few of them. Mm. Well, that's here. my whole thing that, you know, for a while there I wasn't like I was not gonna put people on blast because I got I get a lot of backlash when I tell people what I'm doing. And a lot of that backlash is coming from white folks who are basically saying, why don't you want to allow us to continue to... Because that's essentially what yes. they're saying. Yes. What they're saying is, you don't want to be around us, you don't want to be around us, you don't want to be around us. And it's like, well, do you know why? And when I tell them why, they then come out with the, oh, well, you're nothing but an N-word, you're nothing but a this, you're nothing but a that. And I'm like, oh, you're just race-baiting and everything else. And I'm going, that's the problem. Hmm. That's the problem. You can't see that what I'm doing while maybe catering to black people, it says, and lovers of diversity. That includes anybody right. who loves a diverse environment. And, and that's they the part they, they miss. That's the part they miss. Again, going back Lord. to the conversation before, that is the part that they completely miss. 
that the diversity part is not something that goes through their head. The only thing they can see is that you're trying to segregate yourself. Right. And that's and not I, what you're trying to do. Right. And I'll tell you real hard and in a quick, Martin Luther King did admit that, you know, integration was a burning building that he was leading us into because we gave up justice for assimilation. Those were some of his last speeches. And then Those he got were some shot. of his last words. Was mm -hmm. that we gave up justice for integration. And I am not against integration. I am not against you know, people wanting to be diverse because this app is all for that. But if I want to no longer be integrated into a community that is being outwardly racist, then that's my prerogative. And it's the prerogative of everyone who wants to separate themselves from a bigot. That's black, white, Asian, Latino, anybody. Mm -hmm. That's what noir's for. Everybody's welcome. My damn husband's an Italian for crying out loud. I'm not here for the, you know, for people to be all like, you know, <laughs> oh, you don't like white people. I'm like, no, I don't <clears> like <throat> racism. Yeah. And I don't like seeing my brothers and my sisters out here having to deal with being discriminated against. Because that's yep. basically what they're telling you to do. Deal yeah. with it. Yep. And to add on to that real quick, you know, uh, we talk a lot on during the M3 Hangouts about um, representation, how representation can be powerful um, for communities of color or any type of minority or marginalized community. And I think it's really important for us, you know, as people of color, people of color who identify as gay, bi, same gender, loving, queer, or whatever, mm -hmm. to see ourselves, you know what I'm saying? To see, and see ourselves in a positive light, you know? Right. To see ourselves love one another, you know, to see ourselves, you know, be able to celebrate, you know, you know, our culture, our community, you know, I think that's so important because, you know, I know for myself, and I speak on this often because I feel like there's a generation coming up now who, you know, there's probably some young kids somewhere who feels that they don't even exist in this community, you know, that or they don't they, belong, they don't belong, that they don't have a voice, you know, yeah. that they can't live a life, you know, happy and they can't ever become successful being a person of color who happens to be LGBTQ plus whatever. So that's why it's always important, I think, to have positive representation of people like ourselves in media, within apps, you know, because like I said, again, in mainstream gay spaces, we don't see ourselves, you know, we're not on the, the cover of Out Magazine or The Advocate, you know, we're exactly. not shown, you know, like you said, with Grindr and a lot of these other apps, we're not in those advertisements, or if we are in those advertisements, typically, you know, we're with a, a white partner or someone who isn't yep. black, you know, yep. so it's so important to have proper representation, yep. yeah. I think that, you know, we the, these moves are pretty small. Like, you know, you have, have Empire, you have a couple of shows that are on BET, you have a couple of, maybe not BET, but maybe, um, you know, <laughs> um, what, ABC or something like, I don't, like, you, you, you start to see them. And, and I think that what we also have to do is, you know, don't rely on mass media. Mm -hmm. Look, look, look for ways, find them on Facebook. You can go to YouTube, you can check out, uh, why? Noir, yeah, like noir. Or Pinot Noir. <laughs> okay, right. So there, there's other things that, Right, there's other things. I think that if you, or I, if an individual, things that are easy, like TV or social media, and, and you only think that that's going to be it, then you may be frustrated. Yeah. So you have to, you know, with the internet now, there's so much. You can Google and find certain things. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you're willing to, Look for those examples. You got to do a little homework. 
you know? Yeah. Right. And I'm hoping, what I'm hoping to do is to make that homework a bit easier, um, you know, mm-hmm. I, to be visible, to show people that you can do this. It was, it's hard. It's hard. It was not easy at all, but you can do this. We can do this. We yes. can create the space that we need to see, that we want to see. Mm-hmm. I, I have another well, question. Well, Lance, we here at are here to help you to make that a little easier and help create those spaces. Um, go ahead, Ali. Yeah. Um, would you ever expand uh, your your app to also incumbent uh, bisexual and straight? Yes. So here's the, so uh, I guess you know before we definitely stop with all the noir stuff. Um, the roadmap for noir is that we have the iPhone version and the iPhone version is going to get a couple of updates, uh, within the next few weeks, you know, we're going to see a couple of updates that brings a few features that didn't make it. I wanted to make sure that it was released for pride. So we'll see a couple of features that didn't make it. After that, we do have the heterosexual bisexual version of this. Um, in which it's really just an art change. I can use, like, I still have the same server and everything else. It's really just a matter of changing the art and changing a couple of flags. That will then create the straight version of this application because I do understand that Black women and Black men are also having a very difficult time trying to just date. Um, Especially black women, believe it or not, they are just having a terrible time dating. Yes, and yes, one of those yes. things where I want, I mean, you know, this is for my community. And you know, I'm gay, but I'm black first. Right. <laughs> and I'm here trying to make this for everybody. Now, I'm dealing with the community that I know first, a community that I know is hurting. And that's the black gay community. And then from there, I'm going to move on to the street community and make sure that they have a version of this to work with. So, I mean, that's our roadmap for noir and for the direction that it's going to go. Um, I'm a black guy trying to make something for black people. And I'm hoping that it will work. (laughs) I'm hoping that the community gets out there and supports it. Like people will ask, how do I donate? The way you donate is you download the app because it's free. Mm. And you just do the in-app purchase for the ad free. All it's a, it's one-time cost of four dollars and ninety-nine cents. It's a five-dollar donation basically. And for the and for the entire time that you have a membership, you will not see any ads. So that's a good way to support the application and to give a donation. Now, if you want to do more. There's the memberships, and the memberships, they increase how many people you see globally. It increases the radius around you for local people and how many people you can see locally. It increases how many flirts you can send. It increases how many favorites you can have. So you get the unlimited stuff with the membership. Um, Outside of that, one-time donation of $4.99 to buy the ad-free version, all of that goes to supporting this application and making it better. Wow. Again, an, another another question, suggestion. Um, since there's no I, um, not um, Android version, is it possible that we could do a donation uh, without having uh, an iPhone? Because 
I have an Android, sorry, but I want to help. Right. Um, well, here's I guess here's the other good part. The other good part is that this does work on iPad. If you got an iPad, download it. One. But otherwise, you know, I was. I, I, I have no. I have no iProduct. Sorry. Yeah, some people don't product. have Apple products in their house, and they. <laughs> well, so lies. I'm just saying. The only thing that I do with an apple is eat it. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> well, I, can tell, I can tell you this: that <laughs> I'm just considering putting up a like a GoFundMe oh, for it. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's like I was considering putting up a GoFundMe for it, but my only concern is that people see the GoFundMe and they're like, "Oh, another black person on GoFundMe." You're not trying to buy a purse and you're not trying oh. to bury a love. You are correct. You actually, and you so, actually have an a, a app, something to show. You know, exactly. Like, you yeah. definitely have something. Exactly. Like, this is not an idea that you have. You already have the app available for people to download and see. So, and I, I understand, like, GoFundMe has really become like, um, yeah, you know, I'm gonna say this is gonna be, this might be kind of shady, offensive, but it, it's become the space for some stunt queens. You know, I'm not saying everyone's on GoFundMe do some stunts, but a lot of a lot of folks on GoFundMe do stunts. But you still have like you know Indiegogo and Kickstarter and Patreon even. So right. You have other, I guess you could say, crowdfunding. Um, I guess you could say websites. You know, or uh, uh, options to use that you know you can maybe bring in a little bit of money or some type of revenue. Um, right. And I'll tell you what, you know, um, what I'll do is I will put up a one of those mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe a link can go somewhere for the video. Like later on, just edit the video to put a link to it in there later. Mm-hmm. So that way you can get some donations outside, because like I said, the sooner this app is the sooner the app is breaking, even I yeah. can I can then go and, you know, put the time and resources into creating the Android version because I want to make sure that everybody has something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you look at those other apps like Growler and Grinder and whatever else, they have these huge corporations behind them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was just trying to do this without having corporate anything. I didn't want, I, I didn't want white hands touching. Mm-hmm. And that might sound racist, but I didn't want this to fall into the hands of someone that it's not directly affecting. Or someone okay. who doesn't understand the needs, you know. Exactly. Because right. it, it turns into a tool of exploitation at that point. Right. Well, mm-hmm. maybe we can send a signal to Holly Berry or somebody to uh, maybe Oprah Winfrey. Hey, Oprah. Mm. On the <laughs> hello. Yes. And on, you know, and on that note, um, <laughs> you, I know that you had to run. I wanted to yes. and uh, thank you for joining us today. We're going to have you back so you can talk again about Noir because, um, and we're going to put you together with that other programmer because he does not have an Apple product in his home either, but he has expressed that he would like to help. <laughs> well, hey, all they got to do is, what they can do is go to the Noir website and there's a question mark at the top of it. That's the. Uh, I've already the put the. Uh, I've already put the link for the Noir website Fantastic. on the Google Hangout in the chat, and we're so going to contact you. Added. Okie dokie. All right. Thanks very you know, I much. I go before my own husband says we're supposed to do X Y Z, and I'm like, uh, uh, boy, that sounds familiar. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I understand. 
I'd be cooking in the background. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. Don't forget about me and tell everyone that you know that oh, this is for all of us. I will. Will do. Peace out, guys. Um, all right. So um, we're going to move to our third topic today. Um, the hashtag out there. Um, on July 6, 2016, Philando Castillo was fatally shot by Geronimo Yanez, a St. Anthony, Minnesota police officer, after being pulled over in Falcon Heights, a suburb of St. Paul. Castillo was driving a car with his girlfriend, Diamond Reynolds, and her four-year-old daughter as passengers when he was pulled over by Yanez and another officer. According to Reynolds, after being asked for his license and registration, Castillo told the officer he was licensed to carry a weapon. He had one in his pants pocket. Reynolds said Castillo was shot while reaching for his ID after telling Yanez he had a gun permit and was armed. Shot at Castillo seven times. Um, that court case came up. And the officer was acquitted. I have the TikTok. I have the TikTok, but I don't think I'm going to read it because it's not really necessary. Um, I didn't want to do this subject, but I felt we needed to. Yeah. And many of our yeah. contributors felt we needed to also. Um, so I'm going to go to Shaka first because he hit me up. You hit me up late last night slash early this morning while I was in a Uber in drunk a and trying to Actually, get in home. A in a super <laughs> Uber. Yeah, in a super Uber. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Shaka. I don't even know where to begin on this because... Um, you know, it's 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 something that has not it's not it's not technically new, but it seems as if every time something like this makes a national news case, everybody wants to have conversations about it and people get inspired and reinvigorated uh, energy and, and, and inspiration to go and do something that will only last maybe a couple of days until it simmers down into the next incident happens. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know. I can't help but to think this is probably the reason why, you know, we haven't turned, like a lot of the phrasing that you may hear is, um, and I, I, I forgot who says this is, but um, the day that black people stop being a victim, I'm paraphrasing it, the day that black people wake up and we say, you know, we're not gonna take this shit anymore, then people have some real crazy shit to worry about. Mm. And I, I, <laughs> Hopefully that day will come sooner than later, you know? Um, that's the first thing. The other thing is the mom, I give my hats off to her because she did something that I wish most of us would do in that position. Some people, oh, I'm so sorry. I forgive the families. And I just, I, I, I can't. If you, if you kill any one of my family members, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna be as nice, you know? <laughs> I'm not going to be as nice, and I'll probably use a whole lot more profanity than 
I probably should in that scenario. So I don't know. I just I, I really think that we as these incidences happen, I think that we need to become more. Um, and I'm really trying to use my words carefully. I think that we need to be more uh, accountable for how we're handling these situations mm-hmm. and less reactive, prayerful, and 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 definitely more um, more engaged, you know, to to handle it. That's all I have to say on it. Yeah. I was going to add real quick. Um, because it's, it's kind of wild how things kind of come full circle. And I know we kind of started this conversation um, discussing um, some of the protests during the DC Pride March. And, and and how I feel like it relates to this topic is that it comes back to accountability. And, you know, I agree, because I've had this conversation with quite a few people that there are some good police, some good cops out here are really trying to protect and serve and are really out here to serve the people. The problem is, is that the law enforcement system itself is broken. Yes. Um, and yes. it's not built to protect us. And that becomes the problem because in this, and, and, and like I said, the Flandreau Castile situation is just one of the many where police have clearly, I mean, like this guy was captured on video on Facebook live, like the yes. whole world was watching this live when he shot this innocent man right in front of his four-year-old daughter. You know what I'm saying? And you telling me like he gets off clean? Nothing? Not, not, not even a blemish into his record. Right. Like, are you kidding me? No, he was fired. He was fired. No, not, that's that's still not enough because he's he's Oh, free. I I no 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 no. Oh, no, okay. no, he said not a blemish to his record. I'm right. just letting you know he was fired. Okay. I do not think that was enough. Right, yeah, yeah. Yes, I don't think so either. And again, he heard someone and the coroner said when they pronounced him dead, it was a homicide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 the thing of it is, is that it just adds on to um, the reality that not only our law enforcement system is corrupted, but our justice system is corrupted as well. Yep. And that it will go out of its way to protect police before you know it, it, it's focused on protecting the people, especially people yep. of color. Because I mean, this is I mean, this is a clear case of murder. Like it's it's no denying it was a homicide and. And, and 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 again, it just adds to the frustration because it's like, what else can we do? I remember, like, you know, there was this huge push about making sure that these officers are having these cameras on them. So if something like this happens, happens, it can be captured, it can be used as evidence, and all of that. We're seeing that's not even enough, you know? Because even but the, the problem is also that they, they're altering or or not releasing the tapes. Mm-hmm. That many in many of these cases, it happened here in DC not long ago that mm-hmm. they refused to release the tapes when uh, a, a shooting happened. Mm-hmm. So how does the prosecution of these cases supposed to prosecute these cases when they can get the evidence that they need first? Right. Second of all, what kind of instructions did the judge, uh, did the jury mm-hmm. had where that judge explained to them that this was a capital crime murder? Yeah. You know, what kind that's what I would like to see because I don't understand this judgment whatsoever. Like you said, he was caught on video. Yeah. I mean, clear as day. It's clear know? as day. He the, said the, 
officer, I do happen to have a, a carry mm -hmm. permit and mm -hmm. I have a weapon with me. Mm -hmm. Can you reach for your, and when he went to reach for his ID, in, in, in permit, he got shot. I'm going to read the TikTok because somebody posted it. Um, 9.05 p.m. Castile's vehicle came to a complete stop. 9.05.15 to 9.05.22, Yanis approached <clears throat> Castile's car on the driver's side. 9.05.22, 9.05.38, Yanis exchanged greetings with Castile and told him of the brake light problem. 905-33, St. Anthony Police Officer Joseph Kaiser, who had arrived as backup, approached Castile's car on the passenger side. 905-38, Yanis asked for Castile's driver's license and proof of insurance. 905-48, Castile provided Yanis with his proof of insurance card. 905-49, 905-52. Yannis looked at Castile's insurance information and then tucked the card in his pocket. 902-905-55. Castile told Yannis, sir, I have to tell you that I do have a firearm on me. Before Castile completed the sentence, the sentence, Yannis interrupted and replied, okay, and placed his right hand on the holster of his gun. 905 Said, okay, don't reach for it. Then Castile responded, I'm, I'm. Then it was something inaudible and reaching before being again interrupted by Yanez, who said, don't pull it out. Castile responded, I'm not pulling it out. And Reynolds said, he's not pulling it out. Yanez screamed don't pull it out, and pulled his gun with his right hand. Yanis fired seven shots in the direction of Castillo in rapid succession. The seventh shot was fired at 9.06.02 p.m. Kauser did not touch or remove his gun. 9.06.03 to 9.06.04, Reynolds yelled, you just killed my boyfriend. 9.06.04, 9.06.05, Castillo moaned and said, I wasn't reaching for it. These were his last words. 90605, 90609, Reynolds said he wasn't reaching for it. Before she completed her sentence, Yanez screamed, don't pull it out. Reynolds responded, he wasn't. Yanez yelled, don't move, fuck. So this happened literally in the course of a minute. And it's crazy, like just hearing it broken down in that way because I, I mean i saw the video um yeah. just hearing it broken down in that way like it's i don't even know if i can put it into words you know it's kind of like a, a numbing type feeling you know because it's just i don't know like it's like you're, you're you, i guess i guess in my mind and again i'm not a police officer you know um i understand they are under a lot of heavy pressure but it's like what pushes someone who's supposed to be trained, you know, to handle situations like like that or like this, to react in that type of way. You know, like you didn't see the gun. You didn't see the firearm. He's telling you that like, he's not pulling out the gun, yet you're still feeling as if, oh my God, you know, I mean, I guess in his mind, my life is in danger. Like, and again, I guess it kind of goes back to this whole concept of, you know, some police officers, not all, um, having this immediate fear of black men or just people of color in general. You know what I'm saying? Because correct me if I'm wrong, the whole reason why he was pulled over is the officer 
made a mistake and assumed that he was part of some kind of carjacking that he was they were going after someone yeah. else and they and they saw yeah. you know the, um, which the officer never told him when he pulled him over exactly he never told him that right so like so he was already profiled from the beginning you know so yeah um well yeah. it's not abnormal that he didn't tell him that part that's not you know completely egregious that's pretty standard but <clears throat> what i've always noticed especially you know for the past year now i've been working with atlanta city police department and so one of the things that i have picked <clears throat> up on with a lot of them is that there is not all of them you gotta think not all of them are like this let's say that first mm-hmm. all. not all police officers are likely to do something like this and even more what's interesting to me is that i've noticed that this has not happened in the reverse so you haven't had a white a black officer shoot a white person in other words. Um, so I find that particularly interesting, at least not in these contexts, let me say it like that. Um, but even with the white officers who do deal with and have arrested or, or taken into custody um, black people, black individuals, and maybe it was lawful at the time, maybe it wasn't lawful, they managed to do it without it coming to violence. And mm-hmm. so I think it comes down to it's it's a problem in the fact that, OK, so they're short police officers nationwide. You're not going to find anybody who says, oh, we have enough police officers. So what is happening is they've relaxed a lot on their hiring policies and their training efforts have relaxed. And so the, in the screening process that they go through, I think officers who are likely to engage in a behavior that's going to result in an unnecessary shooting of an African-American, I think you can screen them out and they can easily figure out who those officers are and within a degree of measurable uh, certainty say, you know, you just don't fit the bill for what we're looking for in police officers. But because we're so short on police officers nationwide, they're just accepting anybody Mm -hmm. that puts in an application and can pass a background check. Mm -hmm. They may can't scratch two out their ass and they may have put in there that they have already some preconceived or the, the interviewing psychologist may have already noticed some preconceived notions about people of other races or other genders even, but they have to let them pass simply because we're so short staff. Mm-hmm. And then I don't think we're, I think with the other cases that we're gonna have to deal with soon with in dealing with this, we're not gonna see any different result simply because two, a lot of what was going on at first and they were going into uh, investigating these police precincts and looking at all this was because of Obama. Obama pushed for a lot of that stuff to happen. And he was requiring accountability and, and, and third-party investigations. Well, the first thing Trump did when he took office, he cut all that stuff out. He, yes, he, did. he signed an executive order stopping and deceasing all of these third-party investigations and, and, and stopping that kind of oversight because he didn't want the police feel like they were being policed. Um, and unfortunately, absolute power absolutely corrupts. And then this is one of those those situations where that is one of the things that we see going on here. And we black men, we just got to understand that whether we want to believe it or whether we want to accept it or not, it's 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 hunting season on our asses at this point. And so we're gonna have to think a little bit more about what we do and how we do things. Mm-hmm. And I guess what's we'll well, go ahead, go ahead, Derek. Well, I I, I, I guess my because Xavier, I, I hear what you're saying, but. What more can you do? You, 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 I mean, you can't, you can't leave your house. You can't stay in the house. You can't run away. You can't comply. You know, we, we literally have 
for every situation at this point, you know. Mm -hmm. And this one in particular, this man clearly did everything he was supposed to do. And it, I mean, it wasn't a minute before he was dead. I'm, I'm, I, I guess I agree there it is hunting season so you know again what do you do as an individual that's going to be a little difficult to say because it's going to have to be a case by case basis as a group one of the things we need to start looking at and paying more attention is to is going back to when we were talking about sponsors and all that is we need to start being major players in the process of seated judges and prosecutors mm -hmm. we need to start paying attention <clears throat> to the fact that part of the reason why that man got acquitted was obviously because he had a, they had sorry ass prosecutors mm -hmm. <laughs> and I don't care if they have arrested and put 150 other people in prison before him if a case that is broad and as open and shut as this one was you lose that case mm -hmm. you have no business being a prosecutor yeah, at all. I, I agree. using that as an example is basically the same thing ha that happened with uh, those um, anti-government people in um, in Washington State that took over that uh, reservation. I don't know if you remember the Bundys. Yeah. Basically, yeah. the same thing happened with them. The prosecution basically let those men out, even though they had proof that they had dis uh, desecrated um, Native American areas. They had taken over a national um, sanctuary, uh, and they still got off. Basically, it's the same thing that's happening with many of those cases. The prosecution is letting these people walk off. Mm -hmm. The judges are giving poor instructions to the jury, and it comes down to knowledge on the law. And unfortunately, we are not lawyers, and they are. But we need to also make sure that when we're voting, because many of this uh, of these judges go for, uh, through through votes, we need to look at their cases mm -hmm. and try to make a better judgment on how to vote for these people. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, right now the, the the Trump administration is appointing judges right and left that have no knowledge whatsoever of the law. I don't know if you've been um, keeping up, but um, he's putting people that have no knowledge whatsoever of how to be a judge uh, trying to stack the deck. Hmm. Yeah, and, and I He's think that's a lot that's of a lot, a lot of places that have no knowledge. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's not arguable right there at all. <laughs> you know, I just I was just thinking about something while we are, you know, having this conversation. Um, I think and correct. Like I said, I'm not an attorney. I just play one in my you know, bedroom. But <laughs> when it comes to like, let's say, for example, if the a cop was convicted, I don't know of any incidences where they were, but particularly, let's say if a cop was convicted, then that means that the United States, it could potentially open the case for someone to um, maybe sue the government because if, if, if we know that and maybe this sounded better in my head. If we, <laughs> if if we know that, yes, it, it you know we we got a conviction on a cop. Uh, that means that the United States government was wrong in some case, right? Does that mean that any other case that happens that you could sue the government 
for being negligent. No. Right? And so the government can't necessarily open it. That's, that's a tricky thing uh, because, like, yeah. for example, if, if a cop that is known for fabricating um, evidence gets caught doing it and gets prosecuted, many of those cases are going to go back under the scrutiny yep. because he go. actually fabricated evidence in one case. It's a big possibility he probably fabricated uh, evidence for others, but that would just go into that jurisdiction. Exactly. And only, and only on those cases that he did. Only on those cases that he touched evidence will be uh, scrutinized. That has no relevance on other cases in that uh, that jurisdiction. That absolutely. But I, I even in that even in that instance, I think that that's better than not having any scrutiny at, at all potentially. You know, right? No, and I understand that. And uh, the other good thing that will happen with that too is it also sets precedents, which is also something that we need. Right. We don't have case precedents at this point, and so as an attorney on either side, you're going to have a hard time arguing a case when you can't cite, you know, case history or case law where the Supreme Court or some other court has upheld a. a a police officer in a similar case. Mm -hmm. So we need it for that too. We need it for continuity. So it's we, we are going to have to find ways to target individual incidences that have already happened. There are still some cases that are out there that have not been resolved yet with police officer uh, shootings. And we, you know, as people look at targeting those cases and making sure those cases are doing whatever we can in efforts to make sure that those cases um, come to fruition, if at all possible, give us a result that is much better than what we've gotten in the past because we're missing all of that. We're missing that case file that says, you know, where you can cite and say, well, you know, the Supreme Court upheld a conviction on such and such and such, such on such and such day. We're missing that. And so mm -hmm. as, an, as a judge, it's hard for, it's hard on a judge and it's going to be somewhat hard on a, even a jury and a prosecution at this point to be the first ones to do it without there being, it's, it's hard to get the first one to happen. And then once you get the first one, then it gives the rest of them something to go on. We have a, we have a question. Um, and I am unfamiliar with this movement. Um, Ramo wants to know what our opinions are on the Uhuru movement in St. Pete, Florida. Yeah, never heard of it. Quick Google uh, search on it, and it's a socialist movement yeah. centered on the theory of uh, African internationalism, which provides a historical material explanation for social and economic conditions of African people worldwide. So uh, that's a short description of it, but I'm, I'm kind of unfamiliar with this. Um, so yeah, to our attention, we will be able to give you an answer to that question in a future episode because I don't want to speak on something I have no idea about. Same here. That would be very white of me. Um, <laughs> oh, the shade is strong with him. Um, in this hangout, as I want to end all hangouts on a more positive note, and we generally do that through letting you know what we do for the rest of the time 
and when we're not sitting here on air, jaw jacking and talking to you. Um, so good and well wishes. Let's start with Ali. What you got going on? What's happening, Ali? Well, I'm just doing a lot of um, yard work. Um, thank God I'm, I'm done with the pride thing. <laughs> I am sorry. But um, for the last three weeks, we've been uh, building a float. <laughs> we've been building a float for pride, which happened last week. All that is done. I'm doing gardening again. Thank God, because I, I miss my gardening. But God, it's a lot of work. <laughs> um, I am looking forward to the uh, to the next hangout where we're supposed to be talking about corn. Hey, I'm there. Oh, my husband is like, That's oh, that, I'm there. Okay. <laughs> so, for, so for the record, I have not given a date on the porn. Exactly. <laughs> no. Putting one together. All right. So that's going to be an um, interesting one. <laughs> but that is going to be an interesting one, yes. Yep. Uh, I am happy to say that I have seen Wonder Woman twice so far. Yay. Yeah, how? Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can say that as of this weekend, Wonder Woman has hit the over 500 million mark. Yes. Dollars. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Batman versus, Batman versus Superman only made 800 million so mm. she's only 300 million behind but it I took longer she... for the movie to make that much money though well i'm talking about it in yeah like in general, it came out a year ago so um, the, other the thing, whole yeah, yeah. so again yeah. 100 million behind after yeah and the um, engine are just coming from box office sales or that's including like dvd streaming and all of that that's just, no, no dvd yeah box office and Okay. And oh. merchandising and everything right. else. Right. Uh, I sent a link uh, to Derek and many of many of you about a Wonder Woman T-shirt with that also has Nebula in it. Please don't buy it. I just found out that the artist didn't give permission Ooh. to the the people that are doing the T-shirt to uh, print. So please do not buy it. Mm. Okay, I hate right. to say this because the artwork's beautiful, but the artist didn't yeah. give permission. So yeah, he's right now it. trying to stop them from from printing, and you definitely don't want to buy it now. Yeah, you know it's crazy okay. now because everyone has a T-shirt coming out, you know, using some type of artwork that sometimes they have permission to use, sometimes they don't. So it's kind of hard to tell. And, and, and it's very important to to know this because first of all, the the artist is i can't think of his name but he's hispanic mm -hmm. and he's also gay he's very pro-gay and pro wonder woman and tries to support uh gay events and stuff like that but mm -hmm. the fact that somebody's actually taking his artwork and trying to sell it as their their stuff is wrong and yeah. we should not partake in into that type of uh theft. Right. thank you that's it that's all i got all right well thank you and thank Ricky. He got off before I could thank him properly for joining oh, us. Uh, hold on. Um, let me let me unplug so he can hear you. Go ahead. Thank you, Ricky, for joining us. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Anytime. It was actually very enlightening. Yay. Glad that it could be enlightening and we enjoyed having you. You're welcome. Um, Ali, not Ali, because I just did you. Uh, Xavier, you got anything? Well, what is just happening? 
Uh, I'm working on a few projects this week, particularly. One is I'm editing a book for someone um, who wrote about psychosocial issues in the African-American community. I thought that was kind of interesting, so I'm editing that. And I'm also doing a contest, a personal project of mine, is that I'm looking for an artist to do a um, painting for my bedroom. And so you can, they can contact me in my uh, Facebook inbox on the details of it. But what we're going to do is once I've selected the painting, I'm going to purchase it myself. And we're going to showcase that artist and, his, and all their whatever portfolios they have through the M3 Life Group. Great. And so I can tell you now, I think what we so far, the money I'm looking at so far spending is about 500. So it's a decent amount for anybody that is interested in, first of all, putting out some of their work and um, looking to make a, a decent sale. All right, I'm gonna have to share that info. Um, is there, yeah, is there any art, is there a particular style of art that you're looking for? I'm not looking for anything as far as style goes. There are some elements that I'm requiring. One is I, I want, since this is going in my bedroom, it's different from my living room pieces. Uh, so I want it to be very you know, sexy, very attractive, and then also- Black Panther. Black Panther. <laughs> also, well, that's that, that's going to be a little funky because I, I'm a Scorpio, so I want to have some type of element that represents that. <laughs> and I particularly, I, I like the uh, Playboy Bunny symbol, so something along those lines also. Right. In other words, he wants wow. to get freaky. Okay. <laughs> Not well, necessarily. Yeah. Oh, but, but, I know but, you but, Scorpio but, people. But, but, in a very, but in a very age, in a very gentleman country. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, keep it tasteful. Mm -hmm. Tasteful, right. In the like, ooh, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he wants something more for the boudoir. He doesn't want to like a big uh, black dick on his wall. Yeah. No, nah, don't do it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Shaka, what you got for us? Well, um, you know, Derek, as you know, I've had some <laughs> That's an interesting last few days in a couple of weeks. I, I'm actually I, I need to. Absolutely. Just really just. Thing, but hopefully by the end. I'm here. Yeah. Could you repeat it again? Because we lost. Yeah, it. Your, yeah your, your internet started to do a thing. Oh, okay. Uh, um, so I'm on hiatus. Um, working on some little things. So hopefully by the end of the summer, I should have, I should be in a different place in my life. So I'm, I'm, I'm just focusing on, you know, getting things right until then. Mm -hmm. Okay. Change is good. Um, Chris, I saved you for last because you always have 50 things happening. Oh, yeah. Uh, number one, I've been just trying to stay cool. It's been hot as hell here. <laughs> 95 degree plus. So I've been just trying to search around for like AC spaces. But other than that, <laughs> other than say, trying to stay cool, um, we finally, um, well, just to kind of give a quick recap. I've been working with an uh, organization um, called the Transistors of Color Project on a docufilm called What's Tea that's documenting the lives and narratives of trans women of color uh, living in Detroit. So uh, our team have been collectively working on this this documentary or a promo for this documentary for about a year now. And through all the ups and downs and in-betweens, we finally had our first premiere, at least of this of our trailer, at the Ally Media Conference this past Friday. Um, and we were basically presenting to a bunch of uh, funders who have 
a coin or two to spare to hopefully fund the full film. So that went really well. Um, and then hopefully soon we'll be able to kind of like publicly release a trailer so, you know, everyone can see it and check it out. Um, outside of that, uh, M3 Gaming is up and going again. We recorded our E3 special um, earlier this week um, during the Sony PlayStation press conference. It was, it was really fun. There was a lot of liquor involved, so we had a good time. <laughs> uh, so that, that went down, and it's, it's on the Mail Media My YouTube page and everywhere else. Um, and yeah, I'm working on a couple of video film type projects, you know, trying to really get out here, you know, while the weather's nice during the summer and just do a lot more creative film work. So that's pretty much, yeah, that's pretty much it for now. Um, let's see. Yeah, it's, I got my, my usual poppy chulo stuff. Um, we're finishing up. <laughs> We're finishing up American Gods. Well, shoot, we finishing up a lot of stuff. We finishing up American Gods. Um, we're going to do our last episode of High Tea with Carla Stillwell. Um, oh, we did start doing a daytime Steve, daytime diva show. If you mm-hmm. haven't checked that show out or checked out our podcast about that show, please do mm-hmm. so at poppyjuloradio.com. And you can find us on iTunes. And I'm also like, is um, Queen Sugar coming back soon? Queen Sugar is coming back soon. You should be getting a call about that. Our All Queen right. Sugar show, uh, Queen Sugar's Court, features our own Chris Impact Sutton. He does a wonderful I love the show. So, uh, And uh, with that, I think we have reached our two-hour mark exactly. You know, I like wow. to do this. I, I try. Look, I try. I pull it out for y'all today with the <laughs> challenge because it was a lot of y'all, and I am still a little hungover. Uh, <laughs> well, you do a great job, by the way. Great moderation. I try. I try. You all really do make it easy. I, I, you know, I give everybody a hard time, but I do love you guys. And with that note, we want to thank you for joining us this week. Um, join us next week when. Uh, Mark Oestes brings us the week in entertainment or the entertainment hangout. And that is about it. Thank you so much. Have a great Sunday. Happy Pride, everybody. Thank you for listening to the M3 Bear Essentials podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or whichever podcatcher you use. And if you would like to get more content from M3, visit MailMediaMind.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Pinterest, and many others. But most importantly, our link to YouTube, where you can subscribe and get a notification when we go live. There, you can participate in the Q&A and be a part of the conversation. Again, my name is Malcolm Travers, and thank you for listening. We'll catch you next episode.